0: Okay, so today is a big day, right? It's a big day in the year, right? Everyone kind of knows that. Churches get a little bit fuller. We had to do two services. Like Andy said, I'm wearing a tie. That's how important you know this is. I tucked in a shirt. I'm wearing slacks. I mean, this is crazy, okay? This doesn't happen. I went yesterday to go find just a normal white shirt, and uh, those were expensive, and then this one was $9. And so I said, yeah, I'll do purple for $9. And so, um, so I am part of the pastel problem that is Easter Sunday. Um, it's also the day, right, where bunnies cringe in fear that they too will be stolen and covered in chocolate, right? And so um, you guys don't do that? No, no it's, it's, it's the resurrection, right? That's what we talk about today. That's what we celebrate over and over. And I said as I was praying with our staff just before we started service, That even for the Christian, right, we can come to this moment and it can just pass us right by, right? That we can just show up because it's Easter because that's what you do today, um, and it can just pass us right by. The the reality that we have to try and spend a little extra effort to think through the fact that the man that we call Jesus rose from the dead today, I mean, that should have some significance on our life. I believe it should be powerful enough that no matter where you're at in your journey with God and Christ, that it should move move you down the path just a little bit. The fact that we remember and celebrate a risen king who is still king over this world and your life and if that's true then he has purposes for each of us to be here this morning and so I've been praying all week that God would reveal those to us and that we would see amazing things but a lot of it has to come down to matter how much are we going to allow it to happen how much are we going to check in here and not just say well this is kind of what I do once a year or uh, if, you, if you come to church pretty frequently this is what we do we talk about the resurrection around this time every year And so let's not be that. Let's give God this time to say, God, speak to me. Show me what you'd have for me. Now, I was talking to my son, Finley. He's two and a half, if you don't know him. And he is a rock star. He's awesome. He's a little sick right now, but we're driving home from a birthday party last night. And I asked him, I say, Finley, what do you you think the resurrection's about? What do you think Jesus' resurrection's about? And he's two and a half. So my expectation was for him to say something like pizza, like just something that was off the wall. He goes conquer sin, daddy. And I was like, yeah, you're saved. (laughs) Like that counts. Like you're in now. Okay. He said, conquer sin, and I'm sitting up in the front, and I'm like, was that just a mistake? Like, how did you, you know, and like, we talk about this stuff, but he's two and a half, and he can barely say most words, and so he says, conquer sin, and I just thought through that, and the, like, just how profound my two and a half year old is, like, how often I just don't think of or approach today or approach to resurrection and say, man, what he did in raising from the dead is he conquered sin. Like he said, it, it's done, it's finished. Not, it, it, like he died on the cross on Friday, right? We, we, we studied that, we looked at that. But he rose today to show, man, death had no power to keep him down. It was temporary for him to be down. And he rose back to say, you know what? Sin will no longer rule this world in me. And this is good news, friends. This is tremendous news for us, regardless of what your story is and what brings you here this morning. That is good news, that the brokenness and the shackles on this world have been shattered because he has risen and defeated Satan, sin, and death. And that is all theology from a -a two-and-a-half-year-old. And here I am at 33 and some of you much older, some of you who have been in the faith for much longer and how easily this stuff slips from our mind and we live in a reality as if he never came out of the tomb. Now the Bible is going to say something about the resurrection that is pretty heavy. I'm going to read the verse to you, and it's from the, uh, the Apostle Paul, and he says in 1 Corinthians fifteen fourteen, If Christ has not been raised, if the resurrection is not true, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. In other words, if Jesus didn't come back from the dead like he said he was going to, we should not be here. This is a waste of time. You hear me? Like, we, why gather if he's not alive? The preaching is in vain. The faith is in vain. The Bible studies are in vain. Your hope is in vain. It's all worthless if Jesus did not rise from the dead. And I remember, as a non-Christian, hearing that verse and thinking, dang. Like, that. if that's true, then I need to figure out this resurrection thing. Like, like, because if that's true, if it's that important to this whole faith, then, man, let me just research that. And if that's true, well, then that's going to have to inform some things for my life. And we're going to talk about today how the story that we'll look at today here in Acts chapter 9 was one of the most influential stories that as I began to kind of pour through the pages of the Bible, as I began to, you know, like Google search, right, Uh, Did Jesus really rise from the dead? That some of the things I began to learn all pointed to this moment and this story and this truth that, yeah, he's alive and he rose from the dead. And the story that we get to look at today uh, is going to point us to that. Now, if you haven't been with us, we're in the book of Acts. It's what we do here is we just preach through books of the Bible predominantly. The book of Acts is kind of right after your gospel stories, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, so the the book of Acts is really what happened after Jesus died, okay? So what happened after Jesus rose? So the the story of the early church. And here here is the first evidential piece, I think, for us this morning, that the resurrection is true and demands your response, demands your attention, and demands your faith, okay? Is the fact that this church, okay, and not Redemption Flagstaff, the early church that we study in the book of Acts, went from about 11 guys who honestly, if we look at it, weren't really sure they believed Jesus' message even when he was alive, okay? They become 150, and that 150 turns into tens of thousands of people in the span of 18 months. So the text we'll look at today, from the death of Christ, to the text we'll look at today is about 18 months, in a year and a half, you had 11 guys who barely believed the message when the guy was alive, all of a sudden explodes into tens of thousands of people in a year and a half. Now, now this, this just seems, right, a bit peculiar because I don't know how many movements or groups or organizations or things you've been part of where the founder died, right, where you lost the visionary, you lost the guy who was casting everything, and you already didn't think that he was really of sound mind when he was alive. You don't often see then this group of people carry on that message they already kind of barely believe, right, unless there was something else that happened, Like, how do we explain 11 to tens of thousands if the resurrection didn't happen? Because my guess is that if you take 11 of us in the room, random people, and we had some type of guy spouting off great teaching for three years, we followed him around, it didn't sound super great, but then when that person died, my guess is 11 of us are going to Peter Piper and just playing some video games, right? I'm not going to go to the rest of the world and say, hey, everything he just taught that we barely believed, yeah, that's true, and if you're going to kill me for it, no problem. No, unless, unless the resurrection is true. Uh, unless this Jesus who said he was going to raise actually rose and actually showed up to a bunch of people and said, Hey, I'm back. Like what I said I would do, I'm going to do. So now go to the world and preach this good news. And so I think what we get right here in the beginning is this first evidential piece that he is alive. Or rather, he is risen. He's risen indeed. I'm going to do it again. He is risen. That's a little better. Verse 1. Oh, verse 1 of chapter 9. Turn your Bibles to uh, chapter 9 of the book of Acts. If you don't have a Bible and you want to follow along with us, just raise your hand. Don't feel weird about this. We pass out Bibles every single week. We want you to have one. If you don't know one, don't worry. People are going to start raising their hands. Don't look around. If you need one, just grab one and follow on. Turn to Acts chapter 9. If you don't know how to find that, just ask the person next to you. If they don't know how to find it, pray about it. I'm serious. No. Verse one. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus. So if they found any belonging to the way men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So we get this first character, and we're going to get two characters here in today's text, and and really it's going to line up, I think, with everyone in the room. We'll be able to identify with one or the other, but we're going to focus on this first guy named Saul. Now, Um, If you're not familiar with Saul, Saul first showed up in Acts chapter 7, and he is a a religious elite ruler of the day. Like this guy has power amongst power and is able to wield that power for the sake of his religious cause, and he was a Jew, right? So Judaism was his religion. It is what he was raised up in. He was a disciple of it, a rabbi. He knew everything there was to know, and he would teach it accordingly. Now, Saul at the same time then hated Christianity because Christianity was rising up the ranks. More people were coming to it, and this was infringing upon the power that the Jews held over the population. So he didn't like this, so he began to persecute the church. And in Acts chapter 7, we see the first martyr of the church, this man named Stephen, is stoned to death, and Saul is standing there watching the whole thing happen, approving of it the entire way. So this guy is like the villain of the story. He is the, the Voldemort. He is the he who shall not be named type of situation. Like when you're in the early church and you're all sitting around and you guys are studying the Old Testament and talking about the resurrection of Jesus, you're nervous that Saul might knock at the door and drag you out to Jerusalem where you would be tried and oftentimes killed. That's the story. That's the context. That's the environment of the early church. So, again, what you have is this rampant and rapid growth amongst the early church amidst strict persecution. Again, this doesn't make sense if the resurrection is not true. And so Saul goes back to the chief priest here in the beginning of our text and says, Hey, I'd like to go over to this city, Damascus, because I've heard there's some people that practice the way, which is what Christians were first called back in the day, and says, I think we need to go there and round some of them up, go door to door, find them, drag them back to Jerusalem, try them, and if we can, kill them, right? So this is is the context. This is who this guy is. Saul is not a good dude, but at the same time, he thinks he's doing God's will. So, So the whole context of this story is in the midst of all the craziness that he's doing, he thinks this is what God is asking of him that he's protecting the faith. He's protecting God's people. And so what he had, he had bits and pieces of the message, but he never had the messenger right? And, and, and think about this. Like, in any relationship you have, you can, he- like, if you text people, right? And if you text people, you're humans, right? So when you text people, um, when you text someone, some things are lost in translation, right? Like, because you just kind of, all right, well, what does she mean by this? What does he mean by this? And you put it through a filter of who you know the other person is, right? So when my, vi- my wife, very texts me something, I can say, all right, well, what she probably means is through the lens of who she is, right, and what our relationship is. And if I have no relationship with her, I could take the, the, the understanding of that message to a completely different direction. And this is what Saul has done. He, he's taken a message and made it devoid of the messenger, which loses its credibility, and he has no idea that actually what he's doing is persecuting the people of God. He's persecuting Jesus himself, and he's about to get a comeuppance, like, it's, it's about to go down for Saul, and it's not going to be super pretty, right? So let's look at verse 3. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing, so they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. And so um, Saul, after getting approval to go find some more Christians to kill, okay, finding more Christians to persecute and throw into prison, the whole deal, um, en route on that road, all of a sudden, bam this bright, shining light comes all around him. And if you just close your eyes and just think through the imagery of the moment, like if you just are now walking back to your car and all of a sudden this giant beam of light blinds you and completely covers your entire area, what's your first thought? Independence Day prequel, right? (laughs) Like everyone else in the room, I get it. But instead, Jesus now, now, think about this. Now, if you're Saul, you're going around rounding up these Christians because Jesus didn't rise from the dead and everything they're saying is made up. And So he's walking and this beam of light shines down and he hears, Saul, Saul. He says, uh, yeah, Lord, right? Like there's already kind of this understanding that, that this might be God speaking to him. He says, yeah, Lord, what's up? Why are you persecuting me? Well who, well, who are you? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Like, I'm, I'm alive. The whole reason why you are hating on all of these people is because is I'm alive, and guess what? I'm alive. And so what we're going to see here in Saul's life, and if you're not able to join us beyond this week, I'm telling you, you're going to miss some of the most amazing stories and transformation that you'll ever hear about in one person's life. Because this moment for this man who went from murderous persecutor of the church into the greatest evangelist the church has ever seen. What you see in this man's life, Saul, who gets his name changed to Paul in a new identity, you see, I think, one of the clearest evidences for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What would it take for this man en route to go and kill some Christians? To stop in his tracks and say, no, you know what? The new direction for my life is to advocate for that very same message that the world would know. What could possibly be the only answer of why that would happen? Because Jesus is alive. Because Jesus is alive. I mean, like, that is the only plausible explanation for the turnaround in this man's life. And that's what we'll see in subsequent weeks. We don't get that full picture today. What we get is he gets blinded. His guys are with him. They see the light, but they can't hear him, so they don't know what's going on. So they grab him by the arm, and they drag him over to the city, and they say, all right, man, like, you got to hang out here for a bit. That's uh, or, Paul, or Saul's knowing i got to hang out here for a bit and he's blind for three days. And so this is a, a pretty interesting and difficult situation. Again, this, entire, this guy's entire world is crumbling down. He was en route to kill, and yet God interrupted his story and said, now it's time that you know me. And I have that same story, not the exact same story. So I was, uh, and some of you know this if you go to this church, but so I, I was going to San Diego State University, and the reason why I applied to go to San Diego State University is because San Diego State University was that year, the, like in every magazine, the top party school in the country, right? And I was very excited to get there. And I was en route to San Diego State University. And en route to there, God started speaking to me. Now, not in a bright shining light, but through a handful of different things that happened in my life, through friends and different people saying, hey, why don't you start reading the Bible and start looking through things. And so long story short, by the time I showed up on campus at San Diego State University, I looked around and just said, I'm a Christian now. This ruins everything. I had such plans for what my experience was going to be here. And yet God came in and interrupted my story because it was time. And I bring that up because today, listen, again, I don't know what brought you here today. Like, I, if you're here and you showed up this morning thinking, yeah, I guess I'll do this thing because my friend invited me. I guess I'll do this thing because it's Easter and that's what you're supposed to do. I guess, I guess I'll just show up because I, I don't know I don't anything else going on this morning. Whatever the reason why was, then I can guarantee you that the Lord of the universe, who created everything and rose from the dead, is speaking to you right now and saying, I'd like to interrupt your life as well. And say, hey, like, listen, like, I want you to know me. I'm alive. I defeated sin and death. I, I am your savior. And if we can look at Paul's life or Saul's life for just a moment, listen, anything that you think you can't bring to God because it's too shameful too dirty, too broken, too hard, too sad to insert your thing. It's probably not this. If if you have yet, and I don't even mean this facetiously, if if you have not yet roamed the countryside finding Christians to kill, okay? And had some killed. If you haven't done that, then you're fine, right? Because the guy that we're talking about that God raises up and is going to use for the greatest even like evangelistic movement in the history of the church is the most broken, dirty, messed up, sin-filled, confused guy we've seen in Scripture. And So whatever you want to throw at him, believe me, he died for that too on the cross. But he didn't stay there. He rose. And so he says, man, guess what? New life is there for you too. So again, I don't know what your story is, but I'm telling you, I think he's here to interrupt you and say, you thought you were headed here. You had this kind of deviation and I'm here now and I'm alive, please stop fighting it. Please stop fighting it. And that's a plead from my own heart too because I lived that life for a long time, kind of just fighting it and it was just foolishness. Because the reality is, is that it is foolish, again, for me to be up here preaching, for us to be at church, if the resurrection is not true. But I will tell you what, if it is true, it's foolish for you not to believe it. It's foolish for you not to follow it. It's foolish for you not to be in community that's going to help you follow it. It's foolishness for you to not, in everything you do with your life, give it over to Jesus if the resurrection is true. In the same way that it's just the opposite, if it isn't. But this story, for me, when I was a young Christian, was so profound and helpful to constantly remember there's no way this dude turns his life around like that. Because he had everything going for him. Saul wasn't just doing what he wanted. I mean, he was what he wanted to be powerful, rich, wealthy. Status was, I mean, he was the guy. He had everything, and then he gave it all up, and he would go on to be martyred as well. He would die for this faith that for a long time he thought was crazy because he saw and heard that Jesus is alive. That is the importance of Easter Sunday. And it's not just in his story, it's not just my story, it's not just the the random stories that you're thinking of right now, it's the fact that that story is two billion strong across the world. There are two billion cases across the world that would say the resurrection is true. It's every changed life, it's every 180, it's every time that for some reason when it made no sense, they followed Jesus. And I'm thinking he's looking to interrupt some stories this morning as well. Okay. Um, Let's keep going. I'm going to introduce character number two in verse 10. And it's going to shift away from kind of really pushing in to the skeptic and the non-Christian in the room. And really now kind of lay it pretty thick, I think, on us Christians about what our role and response to the resurrection should be. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias... The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And The Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, which you can still find today in present-day Damascus. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. He has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him, so he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So, again, let, let's just recap this scene. Jesus, again, comes in and interrupts this moment, right? This time with a believer, with a follower, with a disciple of Christ and says, Ananias, right? In the same way, Saul, Saul, Ananias. He says, uh, here I am, Lord, right? And, and, and just so quickly, I love, it, like, like, no, like, hey, I need to know what's going on. Just, here I am, what do you need, right? Just kind of pops in. There. It's the same way, is it, Verdi, are you in here What is where's my wife? No? Like, Verity, right now, Verity's 28 weeks pregnant, uh, so we're third trimester, so she says, Vince! It's like, here I am, Lord, right? Like, <laughs> what do you need? Where am I going? What are we eating in, like, 10 minutes? Like, it's, not, it's generally that type of thing, right? It's just, hey, because I know I have a relationship, so I can respond that way, right? So I just love this picture, Ananias. I don't know what he was doing just sitting around, listening to some music, something, and then all of a sudden, Ananias, yes, what do you need? Probably all excited, that God's going to ask him, like, okay, man, God's talking to me. We're going to interact. He's going to ask something awesome of me. He's going to give me something sweet. And he says, you know what? There's a guy named Saul. Um, I need you to go lay hands on him and and pray for him because you're going to give him back his sight, and then the Holy Spirit's going to come. It's going to be amazing. And and then he's like, wait a minute, Saul, Saul, Voldemort. Um, Saul. Oh, Saul. So the guy that has killed my friends right? Like, like th- this is not detached. Th- this guy is known. He, again, he is the villain of the store. Saul, you want me to go pray for Saul? Saul's probably looking for me, Lord. Like, he's on way. He's going to be knocking at the door. I don't have to find him. What are you talking about? Say like, no, no, no. You just go. And you're going to find him, and he's going to be blind, and you're going to go pray for him, and you're gonna, he's going to regain his sight, and he's going to receive the Holy Spirit. And what's so awesome is the obedience of this guy. Now, again, if Jesus isn't alive and doesn't have this interaction and communicate with Ananias, there's no chance he's getting up out of that room and he's going to go pray for the guy that he knows is about to drag him off to prison in Jerusalem and probably lead to his death. But because... The Savior of the world rose from the grave, defeated sin and death, and is alive and speaking and well, and just as much as he was then, he is now. Because that is true, here I am, Lord. That sounds crazy, but yeah, I'll go. Wow. Man, th- this stuff, it just does listen, it doesn't happen if Christ is not alive, because he is risen. Dude, you're just on it. Look, Sparks is like, just say it, just say it. To say it okay and so this transition here now for us in the room who would call ourselves christians i just do we look at that story and say hey eh. do we let that one pass by or do we sit and really think for a moment all right god well what what are you asking of me and do we have that same type of all right well here i am like here I am. okay, so I, I believe you're alive, I believe you've spoken, you continue to speak, so here I am, Lord, use me, send me, like Isaiah from the from the Old Testament, right? Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, what do you want? Even when God, if you're gonna tell me something crazy and contrary to my logic, am I gonna obey? Am I gonna listen? Am I gonna follow? Am I gonna engage, or am I gonna come up with an excuse? And maybe you're saying this morning, well, you know what? Like, I've yet to hear the audible voice of God, and I would say, amen, I have not either, okay? I have some friends that say they have, and I have no reason to not believe them, but that's not been my experience. But when people come to me and say, hey, but he's never talked to me, I'm like, That have you read the Bible? This is God's word to us There's no other need to, like, we don't need to wait for this whisper in the ear or this loud thundering boom or to be blinded by light. He's given us everything and says, listen, Christian, go to the world and tell the nations, disciple the nations to know that I am the king of this world and I am alive. It's already been said. We don't need to wait for him to say it again. Like, it's just right there. And yet we kind of hide behind this stuff. This story about these two guys and the way that they respond to the resurrection of Jesus are profound and beautiful because I think they drive us to try and strive to respond the same way. But I'm telling you right now, the here I am, Lord, let's do it. I know I'll never get there. I know you'll never get there if we don't really believe that Jesus is alive. If we just treat Easter like another Sunday. If we just treat Easter as the holiday that our culture's turned it into. If, if we don't realize the reality of why we gather today, why more churches are filled than usual, is because the king of the world who said he would raise from the dead did indeed raise from the dead. That truth has to be central or your faith and my faith and our preaching is in vain. So, do you even believe it, Christian? Like, do you really believe it? Do you believe that he's alive today? That Jesus still rules over the world. That he's given us the Holy Spirit who now resides in your hearts. That you might obey, you might be convicted, you might live by, you might walk with, you might be empowered by, gifted by, to go to the world. Because that's the reality of what this text points to. And these two guys, and hopefully all of ours as well. So... Immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. So Ananias goes, he lays hands, sight is returned, and the Holy Spirit comes into Saul, and he becomes a Christian. He becomes a, a believer. He becomes one of God's family. His faith has been converted. Again, this just a crazy story if the resurrection is not true. And I just wonder what's going on in Saul's head because he's just there and he's just had this experience and now he's on his knees. He can't see. And sure enough, this guy named Ananias does knock on the door. And sure enough, this guy named Ananias walks in, lays hands, and regains sight. I'm just thinking, man, what an incredible proof for this man. We had one of those here at the church when we first got started back in kind of towards the end of 2012. On our launch Sunday, we had a gal come up to Sir. Uh, right after service, and she walked up to us, and we kind of knew her, but we didn't know her super well, so it wasn't like, hey, anything you say was just like super credible. Not because she was like shady. It was just like, we, this is getting weird. So she comes up and says, hey, I don't know if you guys believe in this sort of thing, but I, I think I have a couple words from the Lord for you guys. And we said, sure, fire away, you know. And so she says the first one was, was fertility. She says, yeah, this word's fertility. And we said, what do you mean by that? We talking? She goes, well, I, kind of feel it's like a, a a two-ended thing. Like I think the church is going to grow, and I think you guys are going to start having a lot of babies. I'm like, wow, okay. And no one had babies at that point. Like we were a baby-free church. Okay, Um, all, all were were baby-free. And so, um, (laughs) is that the plural? (laughs) Should have studied that for this. And so we're like, well, what, what? It's got off track. We just started thinking, okay, well, all right, thanks. We didn't know much to think of it. And the other one she said was night staff, which to this day, we don't know what that meant. So if anyone here knows what night staff means, come and let us know. Okay, <laughs> Do you know? Or like what's, that's amazing. Okay, so two weeks later, Anthony and I are, uh, we're headed to a conference in California. It's actually at the church that my wife and I met at. And, uh, you know, they, they're a little, like, kind of not fully like us, but like, yeah, we like them, and so we trust them and what was going on there, and so anyway, we're, we're at that church, and, and they're kind of church that are like, just kind of throw some people with the gift of prophecy up on stage, right, and so this lady gets up there, and she starts saying, hey, I don't, I don't know exactly who it's for, but it's for two young men here in the room who just planted a church, and the word that I keep getting is fertility, And I think it's kind of like a a 2 twofold thing. Like, I think the church is growing, and you're not really sure what to do with that, and I I think you're just going to start having a lot of babies. And Anthony, who's right back there, and I look at each other, and Anthony's, like, super charismatic, so he's like, well, normal day for me. Uh, I'm over there like, oh, my God, what's, you know, I'm doing a jig. Um, I would run around the stage if I could run right now. I was just, like, freaking out. Like what is going on? She says, I, "If I can talk to you guys after, that'd be amazing, you know." And I just remember thinking, like, man. And, and as I was thinking about this passage this week, I was like, man, what a, what an incredible confirmation for Saul! Like he just had this incredible experience, and he's thinking, maybe that, maybe I ate something weird. You know, like may, maybe, you know, the chef back at the synagogue just did something with the goat. You know, like we don't know what's going on here, so maybe that was it. But then all of a sudden, there he is in Damascus, and everything that God said would happen actually did happen, and his sight was returned by a guy named Ananias. Like the whole thing happened, and then the Holy Spirit comes into his life, and then Saul becomes Paul in a change of identity and becomes the greatest evangelist in the history of the world. Because Jesus is alive. Because the resurrection is true. And that changes everything. I know from my life and my story and my belief and my hope and the way I raise my family and the way that I just live life, the way I think about the future, he's alive. Like it, and it's crazy. And I didn't believe it for a large portion. Still to this day, it's still over half of my life. I, didn't, I just thought this was absolute foolishness. And I would say today that, man, that whole time, I, I was the fool because it's true. Like, he, he's alive. Listen, if you're here and you're not a Christian, and if he didn't raise from the dead, hear me, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. It doesn't matter. But if he rose from the dead, there's some things you gotta wrestle with this morning. Just like I had to just like the two billion people across the whole world had to. Okay. Christian, I- I- if he didn't raise from the dead, let's go. I mean, like, I love, I love football. So, like, when I became a pastor of a church, that was like, dang it. <laughs> like, I- I'll never watch another Saints game, you know? <laughs> if it's not true, don't show up. There's just no point. Don't share your faith. Don't read your Bible. Don't pray, because you're praying to err. He's not alive. But if he's alive, if God rose from the dead, man, you better pray, you better read, you better share. because It's just foolishness if we think otherwise. Okay? So um, the last verse here says, Then he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. And this is a, uh, an amazing moment that we have here. And what I want to do is just land with this, this encouragement, I think, from Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11. And I'm just going to let his encouragement to the church in Corinth be an encouragement for us this morning. And then we'll start wrapping, and then we will wrap this up. He says, now I would remind you, brothers, sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelfth, And then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. In other words, if you don't believe me, go ask them, okay? Alive. Shoot. There it is. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believed. Today we've preached, and the question is, do you believe? Do you believe he rose? Do you believe he's alive? Because if so, man, that is good news and worth celebration this morning. Because he died for our sins to bring us back to God. And he rose that we'd have life here and life forever and eternity in heaven with him. Amen? Amen. That is good news because he is risen. risen We're going to baptize some people in just a moment. You know, we had a couple people, uh, so we had a bunch of people sign up. Most people, I guess, that like baptisms uh, like to sleep in too because they're all doing the 11. But we got a couple people who are super holy that are getting baptized this morning, okay? And, and for, for the couple of you that we know are in this morning, just extra crowns and, 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 and blessings and stuff. Um, but let me extend this out to you, okay? Paul was walking, or Saul was walking on his way to Damascus when the Lord said, hey, it's time. It's time. interrupted his life. He was at a house for a few days. And when he got his sight back, he was baptized. That once the Holy Spirit, once faith came upon him, he got in some water and told the world, this is who I am now. Because Jesus is alive. And so again, I don't know what brought you here. I don't know where your heart was at before you got here. And I don't know where your heart's at now but I'm going to ask you something bold that if today something clicked like it did for me 15 years ago and the reality of who Jesus was and now is because he is alive, has clicked. He is the savior of the world. He died for my sins. He rose on the third day to give me new life and the world needs to know that I am his now. I'm going to ask that you would just take that step of faith this morning and get baptized with us as well. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, I didn't come prepared. Well, we did. (laughs) Because we have shirts that you can change into, and they even have a a horse trough on the front, which matches our horse trough. And how many people can say they got baptized in a horse trough on purpose? Um, (laughs) I don't have shorts. Oh, uh -oh. (laughs) uh-oh. We do. (laughs) We have shorts. Like, oh, but my hair. Oh. Did we get hair ties? We did. (laughs) And there is, behind this curtain, hairstylists, makeup art. No, there's not. We don't have that. (laughs) But that would have been impressive. If you love Jesus this morning, you believe that he died for your sins and rose from the dead, and you've never done this, you've never been baptized, You're going to make Eli really sad <laughs> if you don't get baptized today. If you love Jesus and you've never been baptized, what baptism is, is this, we're going to come over here, and people are going to line up, and we're going to put you in this water, and, and, and it's warm, for, bless flag high, because they actually like heat their water here, which doesn't normally happen. And so um, we're going we're gonna to have you sit in here, and we're, and we're going to dunk you in and we're going to pull you out. And here's what this moment means. Um, as, as kind of, right, if you're, not, if you're not been in the church, never seen it, it sounds weird. It's like, why am I taking a bath at church, right? Like, um, you go in as, as one man, you come out as another. Washed clean by the blood of Christ, made new, whole, redeemed, restored because of what he's done. That's what this is. And it is a proclamation to the world. And so um, I'm going to pray for us and if you have signed up to be baptized, which we know a couple of you, I'm going to ask you to go get changed. If you have a change of clothing, if you're already in your clothing, great. Just come over here into that little sideway there. You'll see Anthony. He's going to line you up and get you dialed in. They've got towels. we got all this stuff back here, okay? So you can do that. During this time of prayer, we're going to have a minute of reflection. During that time, if you're thinking, man, I do love Jesus. I do believe now. I didn't 45 minutes ago, but I believe now. If that's your story, okay, great. Then guess what? man, come on up, we're gonna fit you, right? We're gonna do your measurements and everything so it's nice, little outfit, right? And, And then we're gonna get you in the water and we're gonna tell the world Jesus is alive and here's another story to prove it, amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your grace this morning because we are so reminded that it makes absolutely no sense, God, for this stuff to go down the way it's gone down if you're not alive. And God, because you're alive, I think you are calling us, God, to tell the world, yeah, I think you're alive too. And so, Lord, I pray for all those who are, man, their hearts churning, things are being experienced that, I don't know, haven't been experienced before or what it is. God, that you would just show up. You'd speak to their hearts. Lord, today would be the day of salvation. That for every Christian in the room today would be the day of just engagement and a step forward into church, and into community, and into mission, and into the life that the resurrection calls us to live as as children of you. But God, none of this happens without the power of the Spirit moving in this place. It's not anything, anyone, it's no convincing argument, it's just the work of God who speaks, has spoken through the death and resurrection of Christ's life. So come be in this place, Lord. We love you, we thank you, We pray all this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen.